to Faith on Fire, the broadcast that encourages believers to ignite the power of faith in their lives. Join us now as Pastor Vince Haney and Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. bring the Word of God to fuel your faith. Welcome to another edition of Faith on Fire. I am Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. from the Community Church of God, and we would like to once again ask you to prayerfully consider giving to this ministry. We have told you before, and I know you've heard it said many times, that the gospel is free, but the airwaves cost money, and we need your donations. We need your help if we're going to stay on the air. And so we're just asking you that you would ask God and pray and see where God might lead you in helping us financially through this ministry. It is P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. And you will hear that address again before it is over. But if you can help us at all financially with this ministry, we would greatly appreciate your help. Yes, and I'm Pastor Vince Haney from Rhema Word of Faith, the Word Church. And again, we're going to start on a new subject today. We're going to talk about order, order in the body of Christ, order in the God church. is not a God of disorder. He's not. And, and I'm going to just start off with this scripture, and I'm going to let you take it away. Over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, he says, Let all things be done decently and in order. That's the Apostle Paul being led by the Spirit of God to tell the church that. Let all things, not some things, but all things be done decently in order. And again, we come out of the world into the kingdom of God. And actually, we were disorderly in that world system. That's why the scripture says, don't be conformed to that world. And then we come into the kingdom of God. We want to bring worldly ways into the house of God, into the kingdom. And he says, no, I already have an order here. I need you guys to start conforming to this order. And don't be conformed to the other order because you're in God's house now. And I have a system already. It's called the kingdom of God system. It's already been set up. It was formed before the foundations of the world. And um, I want you guys to be transformed by the renewing your mind to that system. And as you were speaking earlier during the break about communion. Yeah. You're well, speaking you, about communion. Well, you know, <laughs> and, you know what's interesting yeah. here is, is you actually touched on about five different things. And there's a lot of stuff. And it'll probably take us all week to talk about doing things in order. Because there is an order in God's kingdom, and, there, and he has called us to be transformed to the likeness of his son. We don't have any choice in that. We, we can't say to God, you know, I don't, I don't really want to be transformed to the likeness of your son. I want to be transformed to the likeness of something else. No, there is an order to what he has set up, and the way he has set it up is that we are to be predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And the scripture that you were reading there where he talks about doing everything in order, that's where he's talking about 
they were more than one person was speaking in tongues at once. A lot of people were doing it. And he said, people are going to come in and they're going to think you're all nuts. He said, we, we got to do things in order. And the scripture that we also want to look at today, and there's all kinds of places where God talks about doing things in order, but the one that I specifically wanted to look at and spend a little bit of time today is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 17, where he says to them in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe. And then he goes on to talk to them about communion and what we think of as communion. Communion is an interesting thing as it has developed. They took a meal together. Jesus, as he took that last supper, it's called a last supper for a reason. They ate together. There wasn't just a little cracker there. There wasn't just a little juice there. It wasn't just a little wine there. They actually ate together. And it was at the end of that meal where Jesus broke bread and he took the cup. We have, in the day and age, for most churches in America anyway, we have dispensed with the coming together and eating an entire meal and calling it communion. We will have bread, we will have a wafer, we'll have a cracker, we'll have wine or we'll have juice, depending on the church's tradition. And we take those two elements together and we have communion. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but it is different than they would have done it in Paul's day. They would actually have come together and had a meal. And what was happening here, as Paul writes to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, is some people were coming earlier than others. It wasn't like, oh, okay, it's we're having church now. It's in the middle or the end of service, whatever your tradition says that you would have communion. They would come together specifically for this meal together. Some people were coming earlier than others. Some people were eating before other people got there. Some people were drunk before other people got there. And he says, you guys are doing more harm than good when you do this stuff. Why are you even doing this? Don't you have homes of your own that you can eat and drink in? People sometimes think, well, the first century church was perfect. They didn't have any problems in the first century church. People are people. And if we are not careful to do things as God would have us to do, disorder can creep in. God wants us to do things in order. Now, does that mean that there has to be a script and nobody can get out of order? And if somebody needs to be prayed for, we can't do that because this is a different time of the service. You have to wait till that time of the service so we can do it. We're not talking about that kind of order. We're talking about where people are doing things that it is causing more harm than good, as Paul writes to them. And he tells them that you need to wait till everybody gets there and eat together and drink together. He says, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. God wants us to do things in order. Amen. As I was looking at verse 18, Again, in that same verse 11, First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 18, he says, Well, first of all, when you come together as a church, that means as a body, as one, he said, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. <laughs> he says, For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. And I've seen this in churches. You know, everybody got their little group. And then they don't invite other people to other things because, again, they haven't got the revelation of what it declares over in Corinthians. Know ye no man after the flesh. 
when one gets born again, he's now in the family. And again, as I was just thinking about what you were talking about, having a meal. A responsible family, when they sit down to have dinner, they're going to wait for everybody else to have meal. We're going to bless the food together. And we're not going to, you know, especially if dad's not there, nothing's going down. You know, you're going to wait till every family member's at the table to have a meal. And there's not going to be any division. You know, a family unit is, is usually one, a unit. And again, I've seen that in congregations where, you know, you got this group over here, this group over here. Again, that's how we get church splits. You got factions, divisions. And they, every, this group talking about the pastor. This group don't like the worship music. That group don't like that. And then the church is divided. And Paul says over in 1 Corinthians, is Christ divided? So again, we can do things out of order. And it all seemed natural to us because that's where we came out of. We well, came out have, of dysfunction. Yeah, well, I mean, you have cliques in high school. You have cliques right. at work. That's where have... all that world programming came out of. So now you come into the body of Christ. Again, mm. the body of Christ, which is supposed to be one unit, wholeness. And we try to bring all that into his kingdom and his church. And he says, no, we need to do things decently and in order. And as you were speaking of that order, I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Concerning order, seek ye first the kingdom of God, meaning God's way of doing things. He said, you go do that thing first, and then all these other things will be added to you. But that's the, the order in God's house is doing it his way first. Not mama in them way, not cousin, not the world's way, but his way. So the only way you're going to find out what his way is, is you read the manual, <laughs> the constitution. You'll find out what his way is. And not only that, you can't just read it, you got to study it. You got to meditate on it. And then here's the ultimate. You got to do it and just not hear it. Oh, I know that. I heard. I hear people. Oh, I heard that scripture before. Uh, well, why you don't do it? <laughs> right. I heard that. I heard that scripture. Uh, husband, t treat your wife. You know, as, love your wife as Christ loved the church. I heard it before. Well, why you don't do it? Yeah. So, again, that's where the rubber meets the road is you're not just being a hearer, but you're doing it. So when you find out that God wants to do things decently in order, you have to conform to his way. I as a pastor, I get people all the time coming to our congregation and they want to, they say the Lord sent them there to instruct me. <laughs> I'm like, well, if that was the case, he should have just made you pastor. And I could sit up under your ministry. I get them there all the time and I have to shut them down knowing this, that I already have an understanding of what God's called me to do. He made it perfectly clear to me when he told us to start the ministry. So I know and if he didn't want me to start it, he would have had somebody else do it and I'd have been sitting under their ministry. So you have to always... Be on guard, because I'm reminded of this. You know, there's going to be wolves in sheep's clothing, and they're going to come in to do what to the flock? Devour the flock, destroy the flock, divide the flock. So as ministry leaders and just as spiritually mature people, the Bible says watch and pray. You have to watch and pray. And I always get on the, the older women in our church to claim they've been saved for umpteen years. You're supposed to be a role model to the younger women. Now examine yourself, because I see some of the stuff you're doing. You're the one causing the faction and the division. So now are you being a role model to the younger women? And we have to always use this manual to examine ourselves. The, the scripture calls this Bible the mirror. It's a mirror. What do you do with a mirror? You look into it. And if you hold this Bible up and you're looking into it as a mirror, you're going to see where you need to make some corrections at, <laughs> some adjustments. And again, we, and don't we have wanna... to be willing to make them. You got to be willing to make it. Where God says that we're in the wrong and we need to change. You got to go ahead and change. accept that and erase it. And that's what I'll tell people it's an open book test. 
Yeah, you can erase and, and put the right answer down and move forward in that. But you got to allow the, the word of God. The Bible calls it the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your soul. You got to receive what it says, receive with meekness the engrafted word. You got to go ahead and receive the correction and say, oh, no, I've just been this way all my life. Well, you got to be conformed to the image of God now. Yeah, times, you've been that many, way all your life. Now right. it's being conformed to the image. How many times you heard in your life somebody say, well, my dad had a bad temper and I've always had a bad no, no, temper. No, no, no. You, you, your new dad, which is Abba Father, he doesn't have a bad temper. But I mean, imitate. I, I'm just reading it right here. For every time I heard somebody say, you know, well, that's just the way it is in our family. Look, that's look, just the way we do look it. Look at that same scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Look what he says. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Well, he don't have a bad temper. <laughs> He's always right, rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice. Just we're, to be, we're to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Right. So, again, Jesus done everything decently in order. He said, I don't do anything the Father hasn't instructed me to do. So that's what we need to submit to. The Bible says, submit to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And when he said resist the devil, that's resist demonic influence. And he'll flee from you. Resist his ways. The Bible says, give the devil no place. You can't let him come into the body of Christ, into you, because now you are the temple of the living God. So why would you want to give the devil a place in that? You know, Christ is not divided. He's, he, that's what it means to take up your cross daily. That's what it means to crucify your flesh daily. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. How many Christians, that's what Christians need to be saying every day. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Show me what you want me to do, and he'll show you. He'll, you'll open up the scripture, and he'll have a word for you right there if you really want that. But if you want to continue in what you're doing, God will let you do it. But he's going to, you got to be mindful of what Galatians says. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. So if you want to sow disobedience to the word of God as a child of God, okay. He's like, that's what you're going to reap. And I always tell people this, in the garden, of Eden, God knew they were eating off the the fruit that he told them didn't eat, not to eat off. But he didn't come up to them and smack their hand. Didn't I tell you don't eat that? He let them do it. He let them, he'll let you do it. He'll let right. you commit, continue to do what you, because he knows you're going to reap whatever you sow. That's a law. It's a principle. So our job is, if we want to be prosperous and successful and have that abundant life that Jesus came, we have to do things in his order. Again, do everything decently, all things decently and in order. Well, you know, as Paul writes there, he continues to write in verse 27 of that chapter 11, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And a lot of times people, when they read that and they say, well, in an unworthy manner, and they think, wow, I sinned last week, or I, I did something else wrong last week, and so am I unworthy? I have people ask me all the time, am I unworthy? Because I... I sinned in the past or I, I did something I shouldn't have done. Does that mean that I'm unworthy? And I always tell people when he's talking about here being, he's not talking about you have to be perfect to take communion. Because if you have to be perfect to None take, of us communion, take nobody's, communion, nobody's taking it. Not the pastor, not anybody. And so if you have to be perfect to take communion, then nobody could take it. And so when he talks about being in an unworthy manner, he's talking about why are you taking it? See what was happening there where people were eating just because they were hungry. People were drinking just because they wanted to drink. It was almost it was like a party. It wasn't that they were coming together to celebrate the body and the blood of Christ and what he had done. It was just like a party. And so they weren't doing it in a manner worthy of what they should have been doing it in 
because it, it just had lost its meaning. Hey, they probably wasn't even praying before they started eating. Well, I mean, <laughs> they you can, and you can do things, though, in an unworthy manner. And we're not just talking about communion. Yeah. You can come to church because somebody made you, your parents made you, your wife made you, somebody made you, you feel like you have to. And you're not coming in a worthy manner. Well, you can, and I get on people about this one all the time. You can come late every Sunday when the pastor said we have a ministry of excellence and we start promptly at 11. But you decided I'm going to come at 11.30 when I want to, and the service will start when I get there. And then in the midst of the service, I'm going to walk in and out. I'm going to go outside, smoke a cigarette. I'm going to do all this. Well, that's not God's order. When Jesus, the Bible says Jesus sat and taught the multitudes, meaning he had their undivided attention. Again, a lot of, we, the scripture says it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. It's those little things you think that don't matter. Oh, God, don't let them. A little white lie. Oh, that don't matter. Me being late. No, God, it's the little things. Remember, he who is faithful in the little things will be faithful in big things. But you talk about being in an unworthy manner. See, when your thinking is that it doesn't matter, then you're not doing it in a worthy manner. When your thinking is, oh, well, we're just here all having fun. We're having a party. It wasn't in a worthy manner. They weren't celebrating what it was that Jesus had done. They weren't celebrating his body and his blood. They weren't celebrating his resurrection. They weren't celebrating how he had saved them Ooh, they, from their sin. Probably, so you can, you don't have to be perfect to do it in a worthy manner. It's your attitude toward what you're doing is makes it whether or not it's an unworthy manner. Yeah, and, and, and I've been going to some prayer meetings lately every Sunday afternoon. And I just noticed, you know, people believing for manifestation of God's presence in the city. But God says some things, too. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and heal the land. We don't even want to do that part that he said do. We just want to say, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me. He said, well, I ask you to do things, some things, too. Just like in communion, you're supposed to be recognizing and acknowledging what Jesus did. And right, that's you, the whole celebration, right, what right. he did. And then if you do have something in your life, you need to be constantly repenting for that and asking God to transform you and search your heart and, and, and uproot anything that's not pleasing to him inside of you. A lot of people don't even do that. They just walk around doing what they want to do. They, they don't allow God's word to convict them. They just think, oh, yeah, I can go around wounding people. I don't have to. I don't have the scripture says forgive people. I don't have to extend forgiveness. I don't have to ask for forgiveness anymore. And you have to be mindful to acknowledge God in all your ways. You have to be mindful every day to ask for forgiveness because you for, you offend people or God throughout your day. And a lot of people don't realize they do that, so they don't even talk to God about their sin. And they don't ask him for forgiveness. I, I'm mindful to do that every day because I know throughout of a day, Throughout a day, I have bad thoughts and driving and traffic. I'm still, God's still working with me on my patience when it comes to traffic. I'm saying things to the people in the other cars. But I have to under ask God. Under your breath, though. You're not Yeah, under, yeah I'm not rolling out the window and giving sign language. <laughs> but 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 I ask God to forgive me for any thought or action or attitude that I may have. But see, you know what's funny, him. though, is how easy it is for a Christian to say under their breath or say just to themselves yeah. in the car. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't, yeah, I didn't I wave at anybody, and I didn't roll down the window and yell but, at But them. I thought it. But Yeah, and we don't realize right. that those thoughts make us un well, Jesus unworthy said it. Jesus sense. said it concerning adultery. If you think about it, he was just using this as an example. 
if you think about it, you sinned. Well, if I had a bad thought about the car that was in front of me, I was offensive. So I want to ask God always to search my heart and reveal to me those areas I have not submitted or any actions or attitudes that wasn't pleasing to him. I want to ask for forgiveness because I want to stay righteousness conscious. You know, I don't want to be sin conscious. I don't want to be condemned. I want to stay in fellowship with God. So I'm going to always come boldly to the throne of grace and and talk to daddy about my shortcomings. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. And some people don't do that. Well, and see, then they want to have why, communion. This is why God wants to ho- lift up the humble. Mm-hmm. See, when we're willing to humble ourselves before him and say, you know what? Show me where I need to change. Show me what I need yeah. to do different. Show me the sin in my life. Then he does. He lifts us up. He shows us what it is. And then he gives us the power to transform. He gives us the power to change. Too many Christians come before God, much like the story, you become know. prideful. Right, with pride. The two men that are in the temple, and Jesus uses them as an example. The one man, he he's, won't even look up. He says, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me, and won't even look up. The other one, he, he's beating his breast and looks over at that guy and says, Thank you, Lord, I'm not a sinner like him. <laughs> and Jesus says, Which one of those two men went home justified before God? And obviously the answer is the one who was asking for forgiveness. Pride enters into us to the point where we just think that I'm pretty good. I, I'm better than my neighbors. I'm better than my coworkers. I'm better than almost everybody See, in church. That's how the religious people were when it came to Jesus. Jesus was the Messiah, the one that God sent, and they were all puffed up. They were better than him. They yeah, thought. they were better than him. They, they thought. he's eating with sinners. Right. He's hanging out with sinners. Right. He's eating over here. He's he cast out that. demons by demons. He you was know. casting out demons on the Sabbath. Right, right. He, he was, was healing, healing people on the Sabbath. We can't right. have that. Right, right, we can't right. have people breaking the law by healing people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of like you're going to church. You're on your way to church, and you see somebody that's stranded need help, and you say, well, I'd love to be able to help you, but I'm on my way to church. <laughs> Pastor said, we got to be there on time. <laughs> I can't be late for church. I'd love to help you here. I see you're broken down out in the middle of nowhere, and I'd love to help you, but I got to get to church. Right, right. Which one showed him love? <laughs> right. See, I mean, we don't. It's so funny how we don't think about those kind of things. Is how how do we show people love? Yeah. And I was just thinking about communion. There's a young man that's new to our ministry, our congregation. He came from you know a congregation called Ministry of Reconciliation down in Los Angeles. And he says during the communion time, the bread and the, the drink part, that the pastor, and when you have a small congregation, I guess you can do that. I guess you can do it if you got a big one too. But he tells people, if anybody in this congregation, if you know you have something against somebody and you haven't reconciled with them, check yourself before you go take communion. Or go and make it right with those people. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Because we have to, as a body, we have to be in one. So, And I tell people that in our congregation, because we're a growing congregation. I tell them, you know, as the shepherd, my job is to watch over the sheep. And I can't let the sheep be always into it because we'll never do what God's called us to do. If we're always striving and and doing all this ungodly stuff towards one another, not showing love. So I just remind people also, you know, before you take communion, if you know there's somebody you need to ask for forgiveness or extend forgiveness to, go ahead and do that. Because that's what he said, do this in remembrance of me. Well, remember everything Jesus taught. And did. You know, Jesus was so, he had so a spirit of humility, he washed his disciples' feet. Yeah, and they was looking at him like, whoa, why are you washing our feet? We should, he says, no, I'm, 
I'm being an example. Well, you, well, you know, as you talk about that example, the interesting thing there is the lowliest slave in the house should have washed everybody's feet. That's what they did, the lowest slave. Right. And so all the disciples knew somebody should wash somebody's feet. Now, they might not have thought that they were the most important, but they certainly weren't the least. Right. They could look around and they could find at least one other disciple that they were better than. The new guy. Huh? <laughs> right? So I'm better than you. I, right. I may not be better than the rest of these guys, right. but I know I'm at least better than you. So nobody wanted to admit that they were the least. That's why Jesus, when he stands up to do it, they're like, no, no, no. We don't know who the least is, but we know it's not you. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> right? No, 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 not you, Jesus. Uh, let the new guy, you come over here. And right, and, and so that that's what's going on there in that scripture that people don't always realize is that when Jesus goes to do it, they're like, no, 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 no. We know it's not you. We're not sure who it is, but right. we know it's not you. Right, right. And Jesus says you have to be the least. You have to be willing to serve everyone. Their pride wouldn't allow them to do what they knew needed to be done because they didn't want to admit that they were the least. And same with us. You know, we, before we come into the body of Christ, you know, we all have that degree of pride. And the scripture constantly talks about humility. It says, God uh, resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He wants us to submit ourselves to one another. The scripture talks about submitting yourself to one another. We don't want to do that. Well, we the world always, the world says that that's the wrong. Says it's all the about you. That's stupid. Yeah, the so, world says exactly the opposite oh, of humble yourself. Well, and again, that's why I'm an advocate of and a proponent of being a student of the scriptures, studying to show yourself approved, meditating on the word. Because as you and I'm looking at my Bible here, it's highlighted all over. It's ripped up. Well, I use it. And again, as you feed, Jesus say, feed on me. As you feed on the word. These things will come to your remembrance. They will. If you've eaten this word every day, listen to the word instead of the news, it'll, it'll all come to your remembrance. And as you go through your day, through your life, the Holy Spirit's in you. And the scriptures say he'll bring all things to your remembrance that I said. Everything out of the word of God. If you've been studying it, the Holy Spirit will remind you of it. That's his job is to lead and guide you into all truth. Well, the word of God is the truth. And again, we have to, Constantly expose ourselves to the Word of God so we can, again, have that abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us. I, I don't mind serving. I really it, I appreciate serving. It's a pleasure of mine to serve because I have the mind of Christ now. And I'm not bragging. I'm boasting in Christ. But it's good to serve. And, again, I'm. Paul said it again. He says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's what he we're supposed to be doing. Is the author and perfecter of our faith, right. Jesus. He's so, the one that we're to be looking towards. We got to always imitate Christ. And again, that's going to do it for this episode of Faith on Fire. And we just want to remind you as you go through this week, continue to look at Jesus as author, finisher of your faith. And remember, keep walking by faith. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we ask that you consider sending a love offering to Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927, which allows this broadcast to continue in your local area. Again, that's Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. Please join us next time on this great station for more Faith on Fire.